Is there a chance Walker Howard is the starting quarterback come 2023? Also, college football rule changes around the corner. Some of them are bizarre. Some of them are weird. We'll see exactly how that plays out. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown on this podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you guys very much for joining us. I do want to thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are, in fact, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and, of course, upvote and comment on the video itself. We'd appreciate it. Today's show, we're going to talk about Walker Howard because we talk about Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart and all of this in the quarterback competition that will come But can Walker Howard somehow win this job? And I think he can. It's a narrow road because the overwhelming favorite would be be Jackson Dart as the returning starter. And then Spencer Sanders as a backup, as a four-year starter. There's talent ahead of him in that room. But if you go by talent alone, the most talented quarterback in that room could be Walker Howard. And I say that to say this. Lane Kiffin is known as a coach, that the tie goes to the new player. That's that's just the way it was. Whenever um, Luke Altmyer and Jackson Dart were competing, Jackson Dart had the advantage. He was the new player. The tie is going to go to them. Now, there's two players that are new players. So, would Lane Kiffin prefer a Spencer Sanders or a Walker Howard to win the job, or would he prefer Jackson Dart to clearly take advantage of his position and go just win it? We don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. But Walker Howard has all the talent in the world. Whenever he was at St. Thomas More in Lafayette, Louisiana, he displayed ability beyond his years. And the one advantage that he has over both Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart that is going to help him the most into this quarterback competition is how quickly he gets rid of the football. He is decisive. He knows where he wants to go. He does a great job anticipating, and he uses the middle of the field. All things that if you look at what Matt Corral did in 2021 and 2020, um, what Brian Robeson did in 2019 at FAU, those things were important for making this offense work. So Walker Howard having that ability, an ability that we think is going to be very important going into this season, gives him a shot, a chance. Like I said, Jackson Dart has all the ability in the world. If you put dirt on his grave, you're making a mistake. Same goes for Spencer Sanders. All the talent in the world. This is the most talented an Ole Miss quarterback room has been probably since Glenn Griffin, Glenn Griffin roamed the halls back in the early 60s. That is how talented this quarterback room is. So Walker Howard somehow competing and winning this job would show you how good he is. But he does have the advantage of being able to sit back and season and learn what's going on and be the number two quarterback and get game reps all because he has the luxury of Jackson Dart ahead of him Spencer Sanders potentially ahead of him. I do think if Spencer or Jackson wins the job, they'll be obviously the number one quarterback. The number two is going to be Walker Howard, and whoever loses that quarterback job will be number three. 
That's the reason so many people talk about quarterbacks transferring away. They all think that players can transfer twice if they need to. All of this is normal stuff because they can sense the direction that this is going. Now, the reason we say that is Walker Howard transferred to Ole Miss. He would not leave the same exact situation he had at LSU, which is a starting quarterback with one year, competing with another person that has two years, and him being the third-string quarterback and running scout team, to go to Oxford and run the exact same thing, where Jackson Dart has two years of eligibility. Spencer Sanders has one. It's the same thing. One quarterback has one. One quarterback has two. Walker Howard has four. He would not have gone from LSU where he was happy, where he was a legacy, where he probably had certain advantages that other players do not have because of who his dad is, to go to the rival of LSU to be in the exact same situation in a worse personal situation. So that tells you kind of where this quarterback competition likely will shake out. I don't know if if Walker Howard would just come to Ole Miss for the opportunity to compete. He might. Who knows? But I do think that Walker Howard is going to compete. He's going to be the number two quarterback. He is going to get game reps, and they're going to try and season him for 2024 in the first year of the college football playoff. That is what I think is going to happen. But for 2023, if he can take care of the football and not turn it over, if he can utilize all parts of the field like this offense was intended, if he does those two things, he has as much of a chance to start against Mercer as anybody else. Supremely talented player. Supremely talented. Like I said, Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders obviously has the advantage here, both experience-wise and otherwise. But Walker Howard has the talent advantage, in my opinion. He can make all the throws. He's excellent with his legs. Picture Matt Corral. And knowing what we know, how Matt Corral ran this offense, knowing what we know, how Brian Robeson at FSU ran this offense, that should give you pause for exactly how you can press forward. So I don't know if I would count Walker Howard out in this race. He can absolutely win this job. Do I think he will? I, I just, I don't, I, that might be a bridge too far. But I think this comp- competition could be quite interesting as it moves forward. J- just really is, honestly. So today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking looking for a delicious treat but do not want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. We're talking 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. Really, really neat stuff. And now, we've been telling you for years, go to Built.com and order a box of Built Bars using promo code LOCKEDON15. Now you can go to Walmart and Sam's Club. That's really cool. That's right. You can head to your nearest Walmart today and walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. 
you can thank me later. Yeah, Built.com still an option. That's not going away. But now you have Walmart and Sam's Club that you can dip your toe into as well. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts and insiders and coaches and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, now... An article by Ross Dellinger from SI came out where they were talking about potential rule changes designed to affect the clock and shorten the game times. The one thing that you will not hear in this article is they want to cut down TV commercials or they want to cut down replays or anything that is actually the reason for the length of the game as it is. So they are going to cut down the number of plays. The number of actual football that's going on during the game they want to cut that down. And there's four proposals out there right now. I don't know if it's all or nothing. I don't know if it's one one at a time. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to vote on it in the coming months, potentially for the 2023 season. Now, the first one is prohibiting consecutive timeouts like icing the kicker, things like that. That I completely agree with. There's no reason why you should take multiple timeouts. If you're not good to go, if you're not right, after your first timeout, that is on you. Take the penalty, go back and regroup. Second is there's no time, untimed down at the end of the first quarter and third quarter, which essentially makes it a first half and second half type game, but that's beside the point. It just makes just as much sense to just go to the other end of the field, march off the penalty, and let it be done. That makes complete sense. Now, I mean, good idea. Clock runs after first downs except inside the two minutes of the half. These are like XFL rules that we see. The games on the XFL have been lasting about two and a half hours. It makes sense. It's NFL-type rules with the exception of not being so crazy inside of two minutes to where you have 18 different things to worry about. And the fourth one is a little bit weird. And it's clocks run on incompletions once the ball is spotted. So if you are rushing up to down the ball, you know, and you spike the ball, you're out of timeouts and you have six seconds left or something like that, you go up there and you spike it, you immediately got three seconds or so to run a play because as soon as that thing's spotted again, the clock's going to go. So you basically have three seconds to get the play right. So while you're spiking it, maybe there's communication going on. Either way, this affects the gameplay more than anything else. Now, again, they're not messing with replays. They're not messing with TV timeouts. The in-stadium, in-game experience right now is absolutely laughable. They want people, they tug on the heartstrings as much as they can for you to spend $3,000 to go to the stadium to see a game. Hotels up there are close to half a $500 per night. Tickets are well over 100 bucks. Concessions are absolutely ridiculous. You have to pay now to park. You have to do all of these things because they have expanded their waistline of how much they're willing to pay. They have a $9 million head coach. The basketball coach makes $3.5 million. They have to pay these bills, and they understand that it's going away. But the problem is the in-stadium experience and going to a game is problematic. It is an infinitely worse experience than watching the game on television. 
which requires you not to buy a ticket, which requires you not to pay for parking, which requires you to not have to get a hotel. And the in-stadium thing on these TV timeouts, you have a possession of three and out, two and a half minutes. You have another possession, say get a first down five, two and a half minutes. And it just goes on and on and on. And it drags and replays drag. And the whole experience is miserable for the people in the stadium. So here's the dirty secret that's going on right now. They've looked at the analytics. They've seen attendance gradually going down over the last 15 years. And we've all talked about it over and over and over again. The money for TV, the only thing that TV makes money on is live events. So TV is going to overpay for college football. So they're going to start designing the game and everything about it for the TV audience. They're not going to care about the people in the stadium. All of this extra money that schools have at their fingertips because of people with heartstrings and things like that going to the stadium, that is going to dry up. It just is. Especially in this age of NIL. This is why this is important. TV's trying to get what they paid for. Schools are trying to make up through salaries and everything else to be competitive to prove to their fan base that they're serious. But in the process, they're out they're overcharging their fan base. They're doing money grabs at way too many different places. And those fans eventually are going to decide, hey, I can watch every game on the SEC Network or SEC Network Plus, um, no matter what the sport. I don't have to drive two and a half hours to the game. I can use my own bathroom. I can eat my own food. Instead of $125 per ticket, it's going to cost me about $75 per month for the whole family. And all the money that I was going into the trips up to Oxford, now I can put in the NIL fund and actually help the institution that I'm interested in seeing winning. Now, there are some people at Ole Miss that just wants the party. They want to go hang out in the Grove. They want to go be big shots. And they want to recreate their glory days because they've always done it. But now in the age of NIL, it is going to take up all the money. And that includes everything. Absolutely everything. It is going to burn all the oxygen out of the room. And that's the reason everybody is trying to figure out how to get this toothpaste back in the tube. Because if they can't, all of the money is going to end up in these NIL collectives and not in the UMAA Foundation. Not in season tickets sold. So, Knowing that this is going on, Keith Carter, knowing that this is happening, wouldn't it be better to go down with your prices? Wouldn't it be better to be almost a little bit regressive in your thinking for what's going on instead of more, 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 more? Wouldn't you want people to get in that stadium? Don't you know the score and which one is the better product at the moment? Like I said, some people like the Grove, but that's not the in-stadium experience. There's probably 58,000 out of 60,000 in that stadium that do not want to burn on that concrete in the middle of September. That want to go do something else. I mean, heck, we have a big thing with students leaving at halftime anyway. So 
I think there needs to be some self-realization happening because if this is happening with the rules, that is going to make the experience in the stadium worse because there's going to be less football played and more commercials, more stoppages. And that is going to make that experience and that headache of going up to Oxford less and less. Ole Miss has an advantage that other schools do not have in the Grove. But I don't know if the Grove is worth that much. Because if this keeps going on, I, I, I am absolutely positive about this. They're already, they're already doing um, quadrants in the Grove. They're already marking it off. They're going to sell that. And they're going to make money off of that as well. So be careful about these money grabs. Know where your money is going and choose the thing that makes you the happiest of what, what to invest your money into. If you want to see Ole Miss win, NIL is the play. If you like to hang out in the Grove, season tickets and go in the game is the play. But this absolutely is going to be about you and what you enjoy because that's the important part of all this. They might tug at heartstrings and everything else to try and get more, 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 more. But whatever makes you happy is the thing you have to do. If you enjoy going and set up a tent and tailgating and going to the game and all that like your dad and your grandfather did, that is absolutely fantastic. But if you want to see this Ole Miss team actually progress and become a really good team, you can affect that now. Legally affect that. It's unbelievably interesting to me. It just it just is. And I, I just think that there is a reckoning coming. I don't know when it is, but this 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 college football, this college sports thing right now seems like a bubble. Eventually it's going to bust. And when it happens, that is when NIL, that's when coaching salaries, everything is going to regress back down to the mean. And we can go back and kind of start almost picking up the pieces of the mistakes we made trying to get more, 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 more. It's terrible. And it's not just Ole Miss doing this. This is affecting everybody in the FBS level with these high salaries and everything's going on. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people that have skills, values, and experiences that can help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract the qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and company and their 875 million member profiles to put you in front of the most qualified candidates. That's pretty cool. That's about 10% of the world's population. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, period. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash 
college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Comment down below. And, of course, upvote the video itself. I think when it premieres in the morning, like whenever this, it, this is up at 6 Central, at 7 Eastern, there's a chat module to where y'all can get together and do that as well. Sometimes when I'm up, I'm in there as well. Um, but we'll see exactly how that goes. And of course, you know what? Tell a friend. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. Um, and we can continue to have um, a lot of fun. We have Gerald Glass scheduled for next week. This week, Mike Espy. Um, John Garcia this weekend again. We've got a lot of guests for you um, as this goes on. All right. Ole Miss lost a game in overtime to South Carolina in women's basketball. It's a game that, honestly, I'm really fired up because our preview video for that game that released Sunday morning is over 1,000 views. And that is really cool because Coach Yo and the women's basketball program absolutely deserve everybody's support and their attention. Right now, baseball is just starting out. Men's basketball is a little bit of a dumpster fire. But this women's team, they're, what, 20-7. and seven. They're better than they were last year, and they had like a top-five pick in the WNBA on their team. Coach Yo is doing a tremendous job. And we told you going into the South Carolina game, it was going to be a tough game. South Carolina is beating the heck out of everybody by 20-plus points. I think their winning streak right now is at 35, 36 games, and that is second only to Tennessee, who had like a 40-something game-winning streak. A really, really good team. Like, picture Pat Summit Tennessee teams or Geno Ariema teams up at UConn. Picture those, and that'll tell you about how good the South Carolina team is. We told you that the way that Ole Miss had a chance to get this done was by making this game ugly and by making it sloppy. And Ole Miss did exactly that because they can really, really defend. If you ask Coach Yo, she talks about it over and over and over again. They defend. And they really almost pulled it off. They were a made shot at the end of the game in the last possession away from beating the number one team, unbelievably dominant women's basketball team in college basketball this year. And that doesn't need to be overlooked. Now, the flip side of it is Ole Miss didn't win the game. Eventually, Coach O needs to win these games, and they will. You can't just walk into a room and expect you can beat this South Carolina team. When Coach O took over, I guess, three or four years ago, I forget exactly when it was, at halftime, it was like 50 to 8. I mean, it was an absolutely gulf of class. It was an Power Five school, a Power Five school taking on like a Division II school. That, that's what it looked like. In fact, in that situation, you might not be able to get a 50-8. to eight. It might be a Power 5 taking on a high school team. But looking at this, she built, she recruited. She's grabbed five stars. She's done really, really well. And now they're probably in the top third of the SEC, the top quarter of the SEC, somewhere in there. 
And number one is South Carolina, number two is LSU. Earlier in the week, Ole Miss played three games last week and played against LSU and South Carolina the same week and took them down to the closing minutes in both situations. LSU in Baton Rouge was able to pull away at the very end. I think they won by seven or eight points. South Carolina was much more difficult. And it's a situation where the Gamecocks absolutely knew they were there. I had DMs waiting on me on Twitter from South Carolina. It's like, hey, man, congratulations. I, th- I, thought, I thought you were going to win that. And it just didn't happen. So if you take where this team has come from, go back into that 50-8 game against South Carolina, to where they are now, it's moving up at light speed. And Coach O is doing a fantastic job. Like I said, this team deserves your attention. This team deserves your eyeballs. And a great crowd at the Pavilion for the South Carolina game. It was the biggest women's basketball game in the history of the Pavilion. Ole Miss came up just a little bit short. The next step for Coach Yo will be winning these type games. Not all of them. You're not going to because these teams are the best of the best. But you need to go up to Thompson Bowling and beat Tennessee. Maybe you need to beat LSU in Baton Rouge. South Carolina coming to home should not be a sure thing win for South Carolina, and it might not be anymore. But those games are very important for Coach Yo and this basketball team, and it's a testament to what they've done that they've been able to pull this off and honestly, rapid succession. Because, what was his name, Adrian Wiggins, whenever he was um, there, and it went to Matt Insel. The women's basketball program went into a bit of a gulf. Coach Yo, I guess it makes sense. Now, she's from an island, was able to get Ole Miss out of that gulf and onto dry land, and they've slowly built and built and built and built. And congratulations to Coach Yo and, and this Lady Rebel basketball team. And I look forward to what they can do in the SEC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Should be really good. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's got everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, thank you very much for tuning in today. Um, Pretty good. We talked about Walker Howard and can he compete in 2023. We talked about the rule changes that might be coming to college football. That's interesting. And we talked about the job that Coach Yo is doing. She deserved a segment on the the main podcast. We gave them a segment because they absolutely deserve it. That's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, we will talk to you tomorrow. Until then. Peace.